You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, Earth Station One listeners, and welcome to another episode. That's right, folks. We are back to talk about a movie. That's right. It's DC's turn to bring us a movie. Big names, big action. Which one are we talking about? The Suicide Squad. Not to be confused with Suicide Squad. Two different movies, some of the same characters, and we'll get there. We'll talk all about it, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And this man who I'm going to be talking to now, who is my co-host for this evening and has been my co-host for now officially 11 years. It is a man I would never put a bomb into the back of his skull. I promise you, I will not. I just mix it in with his tiki drink instead. So here he is, Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy! You, know, you, think- are, you are as brutal as Amanda Waller. You are, you know, they should call you the wall. <laughs> another brick on the wall i am just one of many so <laughs> as we like to say but it's how are you doing this week buddy all right all right it's gonna be uh fun to chat all about this movie um with our movie crew back in the house and uh yes for those people uh listening we will be spoiling it so if you have not yet seen the suicide squad uh now available in theaters and on hbo max uh, please do so and uh, come join us and we can, um, you know, hear us talk all about it. And if you've got things to say about it too, you can contact us and we'll be glad to hear your thoughts. We definitely would love to hear from you. Feedback at earthstation1.com. Definitely tell us what you guys thought. Was it cool seeing a giant starfish up on the screen come to life? It was, it, it was a neat film. It was an experience and I'm looking forward to talking about this one. And, you know, it's going to be interesting. we got a great person in the geek seat. We have Maria Daniels joining us, and she's going to tell us about her marketing career, her reluctant podcasting career, and a little bit about digging for worms. It'll be kind of interesting to do. So, you know, I'm just re- looking at a rap sheet right here. So it's just, you know, what she told us, what she wants to talk about. So it should be a lot of fun. And remember, folks, speaking of fun, you know, why not, you know, tell your friends, tell your neighbors about it. We don't beg too much on this show, but come on, folks. We definitely would love you to tell your friends and everyone about our podcast here. And you know what? We have a great time, and we love talking to you guys, and we like talking to each other. So it's a good time. So please check us out. And while you're doing it, please leave us five stars up on your favorite podcast player. That's right. We are up there with all the great shows. Earth Station One is even there. So... I think that should say something right there. All right. Also, give a big shout out to our patrons. Thank you, Patreon folks who have been sticking with us through all this time. Earth Station One thanks you from the bottom of our heart. And, of course, the fine folks at the ESO Network, thank you, too. Because, you know, for as little as a dollar a month, you can listen to the ESO Network positive shows. And you get our show early. You get some exclusive material, including... ESO Board Silly. That's right. A new episode is coming next week. Can you believe it, folks? We got a BS coming towards you. And you know what? Is Kevin going to break out his 80s game again? You never know. 
It's going to be a lot of fun to do. And it's just one of the many things you get for being a member of the ESO Patreon. And all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. Also, a big shout out to our friends at Tofosi Optical. Tofosi Optical is here to get your sunglasses on. That's right. Colors that you can't even believe. You can get colors and you can get frames. Choose your styles, your colors, anything you could think of, you could put together. And it's pretty cool. Tofosi Optical is the place for it. If you're a gamer, get gamer glasses. If you're an athlete, if you're a mountain biker, you can get active glasses it's pretty cool you know we're not active here so we don't know what really those kind of things are you could also get a face shield or you could get safety goggles it's pretty awesome everything you can get at tofosi optical and you could just sell them earth station one sent you and if you do that you just put in the coupon code earth station one you get 10 percent off your order just not one glass off your order that's tofosioptics.com and now we're here with new friend of the show, Marina Daniels. Welcome, Maria. Thank you for joining us on Earth Station One. Oh, it's great to be here. Welcome. Welcome to the station. Um, for those people who may not be familiar with you, um, you uh, before right before we went on air, you uh, mentioned that you were an accidental podcaster. So I, I'm kind of curious as to how you accidentally stumbled into podcasting. Uh, well, I was doing speaking engagements before I started podcasting. I actually had somebody that suggested that I start a podcast. They were like, hey, you should start a podcast. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. I had no idea. Like, if there was an option to have less than no idea on how to podcast, that would have been me. I had, I had no clue what I was doing. So I've kind of dubbed myself accidental podcaster. And and tell us a little bit about your current podcast. It's called Successfully Chaotic, right? Successfully Chaotic. And yeah, actually, the funny thing was, is that name came from the speaking engagement that I was doing. It was called Successfully Chaotic. I do own several businesses. I have a set of kids. One's on the spectrum. And so my life is crazy and chaotic and you know I was always just trying to find my own success in the midst of it so that's kind of where where that whole thing came from wow that's uh man that's yeah you must be amazingly busy just by by staying at home let alone doing <laughs> a lot of like business things right oh yeah yeah busy 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 so um and uh and and now I'm looking at the at the sort of podcast you do it's it's basically focuses on entrepreneurship is that right and wellness primarily entrepreneurship so um I did mention that I own several businesses one of them is in the wellness world I do have a farm as well um I have a marketing consulting company so it is primarily geared toward the entrepreneur and mindset and all all of that junk kind of uh, it, if you kind of break apart your, you know, like everyone's life, we have our personal life and then we have our professional life. And my goal with the podcast was to kind of bam those together. So to, you know, to stop having to be this super uber professional professional and allow your real life to kind of leak in a little bit. Do you find that uh, these days that that's becoming the lines are more and more blurred between people's personal lives and their business? Yes. So, and the funny part was when I first started recording my podcast, it may have been going on, but I didn't, it wasn't going on in my own life or where I, you know, was involved with working. Um, I, I used the quote all the time in my, in my podcast. And I felt like I was wearing this mask of perfection all the time, or I was being, you know, being forced to, I, my personal life was a hot mess and, you know, I would have to show up to my business life with this mask of perfection on to act like, you know, everything was great and okay. And, you know, I had it all together when really I was crumbling to pieces half the time. 
Did uh, what was some what was what were things that you learned about you know yourself or just the the medium of podcasting doing this? Well, let, let me tell you about how I first how I started because this really <laughs> cracks people up that podcast now and because it, it cracks me up too now that I know as much as I do know about podcasting. Um, but I hired a crew to come in and record my podcast for me. So when I say that I do nothing, I knew nothing. So I'm like, okay, well, they told me to start a podcast. And I listened to a couple of podcasts, couple, because I didn't really listen to podcasts before that. I'm listening to music most of the time when I was in the car. Um, but I ended up hire the, hiring this crew. They come in, they recorded all these episodes for me, you know, full camera crew and, you know, professional audio crew. And, you know, we had get, got all these episodes and they just like hand them to me. They're like, here you go. I'm like, oh, great. Okay. I had no idea what to do with them. Like, no, like, how do you get them on the podcast? I just have all this content. I had nowhere to put it. So I just like held on to it for months and months and months and months and months while I was trying to figure out what I did with it. I had no idea how it all got everywhere. And um, so, you know, that was a learning curve and a half because, you know, I'm in the marketing world, but that is not <laughs> like, I know somehow people think that if you're in marketing that, you know, everything, I guess about everything, I haven't figured that out yet, but that's, it's the truth. But I was like, I had no, like no idea, like no idea how to get any of that stuff out there. I knew I needed to get to people. I knew who my target audience was and where they were, but I had no idea how to get my content out to everyone so they could find and listen to it. And so that was definitely probably the biggest learning curve. Um, I'm great with doing stuff online and, and working on the stuff when I, that I need to work on a regular basis, but you start adding cords and wires and plugs in and I'm out. Mm-hmm. Well, but I mean, I, I think, uh, uh, and Mike and I learned this as well with all our years of podcasting that setting up technically is the easiest part. You know, the, the most difficult part is, is reaching an audience or, or coming up with a format and, and your content is the key, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like anything else. And, um, you know, and as far as marketing, I think, like you said, that you knew who your target audience is. Um, and you probably know this from your days with, with marketing, that that's something that a lot of businesses, a lot of individuals struggle with. They do, when you ask them who their market, who their target audience is, like who they want to reach, what, what are, you know, they, what are they comparing themselves to what else is out, out there? Those are really challenging questions. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I know that's, that's when working with our clients that are, that is probably the biggest hurdle for a lot of businesses is trying to get them to understand that number one, they should have a target market because a lot of people are like, well, I want to sell to everybody. I want to reach everybody. Right. Exactly. You know? Why not? Exactly. So, <laughs> it's but, that easy. Exactly. So, but, I mean, it's just trying to get them to understand that really by trying to reach everyone, most of the time you're reaching no one. And that even if you want to reach everyone, if you niche it down a little bit, now there is something to be said about niching down too much, but we're not going to talk about it right now. But most of the time you niche it down to who your person is, your people are. And other people, believe it or not, can figure out, oh, okay, well, if they can help this person or they're talking to this person, that's probably something for me too. They can kind of fill in the blanks most of the time. So you actually, if you can niche your market down and figure out who your target audience is, your ideal you know, person out there, then you will actually get more, you know, if you're talking about podcasting, more listens, if you're talking about, you know, brick and mortar, more, you know, buyers or whatever the case may be. And I would imagine as uh, things are much easier now to get the word out as far as what you're able to do, podcasting, social media, whatnot, 
um, it's harder to get noticed because it's so much noise, right? It is. The, the market is very noisy. The market is very, very noisy. And um, I know I hear people say all the time that people are, um, are harder to impress. And I mean, I guess they are in some ways, but really it's, I think it's just that we're so bombarded by all the things all the time that we are more particular at really only taking time for the things that interest us, which I mean, makes sense. You know, if it's not interesting, I can scroll two more times and find something that is, why wouldn't I? And, and I think as we were kind of mentioning about personal life being mixed with business, I think a lot of people are finding that, especially with the, with social media and everything that you are your brand, right? Like people are not necessarily like, you know, you're not selling only your product, you're selling yourself. Absolutely. Personal branding is something I preach about all the time. And I was actually, this, that's something I was talking about before I became cool, <laughs> you know, like it is now. And um, it's, it's because really, if you think about it, especially with this, this virtual digital format that most people are meeting nowadays, it's even more important for you to be putting your real I always say your, you know, your own secret sauce, your marketing sauce. I, I've taught a class for years called marketing sauce. And that's what it is. It's literally teaching you how to put your own secret sauce in it and everything. Because, you know, we all know that we do business with who we know, like, and trust. But the key is to be able to develop that know, like, and trust everywhere and anywhere. And the only way to do that is if you put some things out there, you're vulnerable. Sometimes you tell about times that you struggle through things, you, you know, show that you're making this new recipe today. You talk about, Hey, you know, it's going to go running today, but I sat and watched three hours of TV instead, you know, whatever the case may be, you let them peek a little bit into your world and then they connect with you on another level. And I think that right there, that's what the secret sauce is. That's, you know, the marketing sauce. And, you know, again, if, whether you're talking podcast or business or whatever, if you're trying to reach an audience and you want them to connect with you, you want them to know, like, and trust you. And have you found that that, that is, uh, well, that's the case as far as your podcast goes personally, has it, has it, has it surprised you in some ways of where it's gone? It's, it's funny, you know, um, and people ask me this, I can't even tell you what my downloads are. Now, Stacy, who works for me, she watches it like a hawk. Um, I don't know. I, it's, it, and, and a lot of people pro- are usually pretty shocked by that, um, that I don't pay attention to that, but, um, I, there's, there's reasons that I don't, my, my goal with my podcast is not necessarily downloads. Downloads are great. I want people to listen, you know, all those things, but again, thinking about my target, my target that I cared about, it wasn't that I needed to reach masses of people. It was more that I just needed to reach the particular people that I was trying to reach. And so for me, my conversion rates, the people that reach out to me to follow up to ask more, the people that you know are coming to me um, wanting business help or the people that are coming to me because I, you know, I've got some episodes that I talk personal, you know, um, struggles on. I talk about, you know, I have an autistic son. I talk a lot about that. So just the people that reach out to say, hey, can you talk to me a little bit more about that? That's, I guess, how I've really, um, I guess, pulled my own quote unquote success from Mm -hmm. my podcast is the people that are reaching out to me from it. It's, It's more, I guess, quality over quantity. Um, and, you know, that's just based on my goal. Now for somebody else, you know, if, if they're um, needing more downloads because of ads or whatever their specific goals are, obviously, obviously it's going to look a little bit different, but I knew going into it, 
um, well, I wouldn't say going into it. I knew shortly after going into it what I wanted my goal to be with it. Mm. And there's a certain level of, shall we say, artistic integrity, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're if you're an artist uh, of any kind um, and you're trying to cater your art art to a specific audience and you're not really feeling it, they're going to know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, and so you want to be honest to yourself first. And then, and then, then once you have that product, then try, then it's the goal to, the, you know, the, the task to market that to an audience, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, we've got a few more shows that have kind of sprung out of um, me starting to podcast. We have a, a show that's actually on Roku now that's called Business Acceleration Playbook. And it's specifically business was that is what it sounds like it's a business playbook (laughs) so and there's 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 four um co-hosts in that and you know and I have one that's a wellness podcast so once I've I kind of figured out um at least a lot about podcasting I still don't consider myself an expert and I probably never will be I had somebody ask me that not long ago do you consider yourself an expert now and I'm like no (laughs) and they're like do you want to be an expert I'm like no To, to me I'm proficient enough in it to get to my goal with it um and I know there is way better ways to do the audio way better ways to do all the things and that's fine as long as it's not annoying people with the quality of the sound that's kind of like I'm like yeah we're doing it we're good so Mm -hmm. that's you know my own specific goal but you know I I do have other people I know that podcast but that's the most you know that's the most important thing to them they spend hours and hours and hours um editing I just pay somebody to edit it I don't edit it myself (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, I i understand how that feels yeah. I, I, uh, I let i let director faber do all that yeah. so uh <laughs> yeah I, one day i'm going to surprise him and just ask him to edit the podcast and then, and then and then that'll be the last podcast we ever do oh, or it could just be natural <laughs> just let it go natural just just yeah yeah really exactly yeah, raw exactly. just just put raw behind it people expect it to be fine <laughs> so as far as your podcast um uh, so for our listeners if there's if there are people out there who are interested, what would you say, like, what would your podcast do for them or why should they listen to your podcast? Well, like I said, it is a very, it's a real talk podcast. I always say that we do real talk. Um, it is very much um, no fluff to it. You know, I talk about business tips. I give you actionable tips that you can do within your business, but I also talk about, you know, personal struggles or, you know, mistakes that I made within my business and, you know, I thought, I think that was the most important thing for me is I wanted to be the podcast that I needed to listen to when I was going through a lot of the things that I was going through. And, you know, as a mom of multiple kids and a business owner, and I've been divorced and, you know, all of those things, life can be messy and bumpy. And, you know, a lot of times in business, you get the cleaned up version of everything. And I was struggling through trying to figure out, you know, not only who I was, but how to be what I needed to be in my business. And, you know, my goal with my podcast was to be what I needed. And, you know, there's that saying that says, teach what you need to needed to learn. And that's really what I've, you know, been striving to do is to be what I needed. And, you know, sometimes I need that person that's like, yeah, you got this girl, you can do this. And sometimes I'm like, you know what, some days suck, you know, and I think that's the balance is, 
you know, there is, there is something to be said about living a positive life. I'm all for being optimistic and living a positive life, but there's also some days that just suck and, you know, no amount of glitter and rainbows is going to make it not suck today. So if I need to hear something that says, yeah, today sucks and it's okay that you feel that feeling, you know, I think that's just important as important, if not more so than to try to lift somebody out of, you know, the funk of the day when they're not ready for it. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think there's also some truth to the fact that, you know, a lot of people like hold on to their dreams or goals and they wait for like a perfect day. Oh, yeah. And and very like <laughs> life just isn't full of those at all. So if you keep waiting for that perfect day, that perfect time, you, you might never start. Absolutely. I mean, and I think that is a huge thing for a lot of people. I've seen even some of my clients, they have something amazing and they hang on to it. And they're so afraid to put it out there. And, you know, working with so many people that were kind of in that space, um, I actually created a, a course that's called Ugly Launch. And the reason that it's called Ugly Launch is, you know, not to just put a bunch of crap together and throw it out there and call it a day, but, uh, you know, to get something that's like, okay, this is good enough to get it in, you know, you know, 1.0 mode, get in beta test mode. And then just to kind of put it out there because, you know, yes, you can launch something out too soon, but it's actually not what I see most of the time. Most of the time I see somebody that has something great and they're too afraid of the rejection that potentially could come that they hang on to and they don't even try. And I think that is so much more damaging than to put something out there and it flopping because failure is a part of life. It's definitely a part of business. And the only way that you really can figure out what's going to work and what's not going to work is if you go ahead and put it out there and spending five years on something to, you know, to put it out there and then figure out that it's going to flop is going to suck much more than spending, you know, six months on something and beta test it out to figure out, you know what, there's no market for it. Right, right. Well, very cool. Well, now that we found out about you and your podcast, I think it's time to find out more about you and your passions. Mike, I, I think she's ready for the seat. Well, you can already tell that she's passionate about so, so much. <laughs> exactly. So this will be a lot of fun to see what actually happens here. All right, Maria, you ready for your first question in the geek seat? I'm ready. All right. What was your favorite geek out moment? Oh, my gosh. So I'm not sure how to answer this, but um, I geek out a lot. <laughs> so I actually am known to say stuff like, okay, I'll stop geeking out now. Um, but it's usually about things like... Never, yeah, never. No, yeah, no, 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 no. Um, I do. It's usually about plant. I love plants. I love herbs. Um, I mentioned before we went on air that I'm an herbalist, which since I'm in the marketing world, most people are like, girl, what? Unless they get to know me you know, on my wellness side of things. And then everybody out here knows I'm the witch doctor kind of of the area. So I've got my jars of herbs and um, I love vermicomposting, which is worms, which isn't typically a, you know, something a lot of females love, but I do. I love worms. I love my worms. Oh, that's awesome. That is actually <laughs> awesome. So we'll just have to keep your new nickname is Wormy. I'm, I'm good with it. <laughs> okay. What was your most disappointing geek out moment? Mm. these are not easy questions these are we've not had people in we've had people in tears at least going to these so it's okay so hmm. i don't know i like i've had a lot of disappointing moments <laughs> if you take out the geek out from that, a lot of disappointing moments um i guess i i'm i'm a go-getter 
So I know that I'm hyperactive, self-diagnosed ADHD. I know you all are shocked by that, by listening to me talk. But um, I guess, you know, at the beginning of trying new projects, like years and years and years ago, I've always been one to try something. So uh, something new. So I mentioned, you know, a lot of people sit on it for five years before they try it. That was not me. I'm more like the person that was like, oh, let's try it. I have zero idea what I'm doing. I'm just like dive headfirst into it. So there's been a lot of, of times that I've crashed and burned by doing that. Um, I work myself up into thinking, oh, I got this. This is going to be amazing. It's going to be good because, you know, in my mind, I thought good work ethic would take me, you know, pretty far on it, but that's not always the case. You know, um, there's lots of times that no matter you know, how hard you work and how hard you try, there's gonna, you're going to have failures in it. I can't, I, I don't know, I can't pick one particular moment. I don't even know if that's considered a geek out. I may have flunked this question. So did I get a C at least? <laughs> with your answer, I'll give it a Okay, good. I'm good, with, I'm good with that. I'm good okay, with that. I'm a fair grader. Okay, so good. It's okay. That's good. Good. Great on the curve. That's good. That's true. You know, it is the bell curve. So it's a really low bell That's right good. now. I'm on the low bar. You're making me feel worse. Just continue to the next one. <laughs> that was my worst geek. That was my worst geek out memory right there. How about that? There was, there was <laughs> oh, when I was on this podcast, you know, these two these two schmoes were asking me questions. Oh, my God. I, I get put on the spot and I'm like, everything I've ever known in my entire life falls out of my brain. So anyway, go ahead. I'm good. What geeks you out the most? Well, I already answered that with the first one. It's, it is definitely, pla- probably plants would be the most. I love plants. Um, I love. Oh, you live on a farm, so. Yeah, I love plants. Plants are, plants are actually amazing. I can geek out on this for a long time, talk about medicinal plants and all the things. So That's cool. Mm-hmm. That is really cool. What turns your geek off, though? Mm. So I don't like... Um, I don't like people who are not, I guess, I don't want to say real, because a lot of times you won't get the real version of people right away, but I don't like people who try to be better or think they are better than other people. I don't like that. Um, I don't like people who take advantage of other people. Um, that's Those are big ones for me. You know, I've kind of was, I've always been of the mindset that right's right and wrong's wrong all day long. And um I always strive to do the right thing. It doesn't mean I wouldn't accidentally do somebody wrong, but I, I would never do it on purpose. So when I see people intentionally trying to do someone wrong, that is definitely turns my geek off for the show. No, totally makes sense. That really makes sense. And there's people, you see it every day and it's like, really, man? Yeah. Really? You know, that type of thing. Absolutely. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? Mm. Y'all ask some hard questions. Um, hmm. Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins. I just want her to come and whip my kids into shape with a spoonful of sugar and making them like to clean. That's really, I just need that in my life right now. I think if you looked into the mirror and said her name three times, she would have popped out of the came floating down from the clouds. I got to say, it sounded like you summoned her. Oh, that would be, yeah, that'd exactly. be great. That'd be great. I'd be willing to try. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. What fictional character would you not like to meet? I don't like scary characters. So I'm going to um, tell you, uh, it's not even a secret. I don't care that people know. I don't like scary things. Like I don't like scary movies. I don't like the dark. I am, yes, I'm in my forties. I'm afraid of the dark and I'm not ashamed to say it. I, I just, oh, anything that would be scary, I'm out. I don't like it. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm a loser. It's fine though. <laughs> I'm, I, I am content with my loser dish. <laughs> I don't care about it. 
you know, you're among friends here. Yeah. We don't judge. This is, this is we, a this is a non-judgment judge. zone. Oh, good, good. Oh yeah, if we judged, oh my god, <laughs> people would be in so much yeah. trouble. We we let we let we leave it to the listeners. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? Pose? There's geek poses. Yeah. You know, I don't like even have any options. <laughs> like the superhero, you know, scene, or you know, like um, with the arms on the hips. You know, you know, it could be what, like, you know, some people go. You know, some people go, dude, or, you know, some people, you know, some people, go, you know, have a phrase that, you know, they fall back on all the time or something like that. Hmm. So would it be something I say or just that I've heard other people say? Because I say Would'd absolutely re- all the time. And I catch myself saying it so much that it actually has started to annoy me. <laughs> I guess it comes out and I'm like, why do I say that so much? So, you absolutely, yeah, absolutely have to do this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> somebody else says, I'll like, absolutely. And I'm like, oh. Damn it. She stole my line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. What's your ideal geek occupation? Uh, hmm. I like the things that I do now. Um, and I say things because I don't know that I would be able to choose. Um, I am a terrible employee. I will tell you that. I, I've told people that people try to hire me. I have clients that try to hire me all the time. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, would you take this job? I want you to run this company or do this. And I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you and Frank. Number one, I don't work for other people. I'm a terrible, terrible employee. Um, so I guess my ideal job is what I'm doing now, which is working for myself. That's awesome. That is awesome. What geek occupation would you not want to do, though? Work for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> now, that was not a hard one at all. No. That is awesome. That is awesome. All right, Maria. Are you ready for your final question in the geek seat? Sure. All right. Here it comes. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? Hmm. The look on her face, folks, is just priceless. Well. <laughs> Okay, so let me tell you a little secret about myself. Um, when you say the word fantasy, my brain goes bad places. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, "Wait, what kind of question?" You, is you're this? not the first. You're not the first person to actually. So you know, I didn't get you're seven kids from to... nothing. So there's my brain over there. But um, I'm assuming that's not what the question is. So um, I would say go go back to my Mary Poppins thing. I would love it if my kids cared about cleanliness and organization as much as their mother does. They don't, they don't, um, at all. I actually have to mentally prepare myself every time I drive home and they've been at the house and I have not. <laughs> I'm like, it's fine. As long as it's not burned down, it'll clean. It'll be fine. So I guess I would say that my ultimate geek fantasy as lame as this may sound is for my kids to love organization as cleaning as much as I like it to be done. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, Maria, got some great news for you. You've made it through the Geek Seat. Congratulations. Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young lady what she's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $18.04. I I would at least say $18.05. Well, you know. She might just walk off the set now. She might. She might. She might. Um... Maria, it's been great having you with us. Uh, it's been great getting to know you a little bit and your podcast. Um, where can people go to check out your podcast and what else you're doing? So you can go anywhere you listen to your podcast. It's called Successfully Chaotic. 
Um, you can also find me on social media, um, on Facebook under my name's Maria Daniels and also Successfully Chaotic on all the other places. Awesome. Well, we will have links to those in our show notes so that people can click on them and go right to you. Absolutely. Thanks so much awesome. for having me on. Absolutely. It was great. Thank you. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a minute with the Suicide Squad. Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment. The Rolling Stones No Filter Tour was postponed last year due to the pandemic, and it's finally due to get back underway September 26th in St. Louis. But for the first time in almost 60 years, that's since 1963, Charlie Watts will not be behind the drum kit. The 80-year-old recently underwent an unspecified procedure. It's been described as a success, but his doctors have advised him to take some more time off to recuperate. In a statement, he said, For once, my timing has been a little off. I'm working hard to get fully fit, but I have today accepted on the advice of the experts that this will take a while. After all the fans' suffering caused by COVID, I really do not want the many Rolling Stones fans who have been holding tickets for this tour to be disappointed by another postponement or cancellation. I have therefore asked my great friend Steve Jordan to stand in for me. Uh, Steve Jordan has been in several bands. He's worked with the Saturday Night Live band and the Late Night with David Letterman band. He says it's an honor and a privilege, but no one will be happier than me to give up my seat on the drum riser as soon as Charlie tells me he's good to go. So here's to our speedy recovery for Charlie. Also, it's been 20 years since Aaliyah's tragic death in a plane crash in the Bahamas, and in that time, her important albums have been out of print and not available on digital service providers. But now her uncle, Barry Hankerson, in partnership with Empire, will make the entire Blackground Records catalog available to stream for the first time and for physical and digital purchases for the first time in a decade. Um, this includes not just Aaliyah's works, but also 17 albums by other artists that include Timbaland and Magoo, Tank, Tony Braxton, and JoJo. Uh, Aaliyah's One in a Million album will start things off on August 20th. And on August 17th, a biography of Aaliyah titled Baby Girl, Better Known as Aaliyah, will be released. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. Check out the blog at iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com. We'll catch you next time. We're the Con Guys, coming to you straight from the nerdy heart of Hollywood, California. We are your home for news, opinions, and interviews from the world of Comic-Cons and fandoms, your ultimate insiders for all things Robert Dubois. He's in prison for putting Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. I'm not joining your suicide squad. We'll see. My court date is coming up. And Miss Waller said maybe you could help me out. You're in my door! Everyone stand down. Miss Waller, I don't... Stand care. down! I wouldn't take such extreme measures if this mission went more important than you could possibly imagine. Are you in or out? Good. Let's meet your team. member is chosen for his or her own completely unique set of abilities. Hey guys, sorry I'm late. Had to go number two. Good to know. 
Is this thing a dog? A dog? What kind of dog do you think it is, mate? I'm gonna go with Afghan hound. Oh my god, is it a werewolf? Yo, they sent me this to a werewolf! Yo, let me out! Yeah, he's not a werewolf, okay? He's a weasel! He's harmless. I mean, he's not harmless. He's killed 27 children, but, you know... Your mission is to destroy every trace of something known only as Project Starfish. Any questions? Starfish is a slang term for a butthole. If there's any connection? No. No. All right. Let's get it. This is suicide. Well, that's kind of our thing. I'm a superhero! my dad. I want to get you out of here alive. I'm going to get you out of here alive. Ratatouille, what do you got? Bird. <laughs> now, now, stay off the comp. Okay, gang, gear up. It's time for the Suicide Squad. This time, we have a brand new creator for it. We have a whole new cast. People live, people die. And as we, my friend said before I went to go see it, he said, just don't get attached to anybody. That's all you do. And, you know, he wasn't joking when about this one. Mikey, take it away. Yeah, and as, as we said at the beginning, if you have not already seen this, this is going to be full of a lot of spoilers. We are going to go uh, pretty deep into this uh, this film. Uh, we've got some great people, uh, starting with, of course, our movie crew. Ashley Pauls is here. Hello. A little bit, a little bit older. Happy birthday, <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Why, thank you. It is, uh, I don't know, I, I feel bad for you that you have to spend your birthday here. But with, with the Suicide Squad, but um, with our own little squad. But uh, we are glad to have you with us. As well as Alex Autry is back with us as well. Alex, welcome back. Hi there. I'm also older, but, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we all are. We all, all are a day older. Yes, we're, yes. We're. But uh, nevertheless, it's great to have you with us as well. And back. we've also got with us, he's not part of our movie crew, but uh, we had to pull him out of, out of, chicken town and uh pull him out of talking about the 80s he's in the middle of that decade right now but we pulled him out to talk about all about the suicide squad uh kevin eldridge is here with well us. hello everyone you know you know the only reason i'm here is because mike had those nanite explosives injected into my head and so i kind of have to do whatever you guys want it's true. Well, it's true. Welcome you know, to the rest of us. You know, you drank from the water bottle that I gave you, and I just snickered a little bit, and I said, oh, don't worry. It'll come in handy sometime. Here we are. The, uh, the uh, you know, I was reminded uh, this week, because I was reading some old um, Suicide Squad issues, and I was, uh, they didn't, in the back then, they didn't have the uh, doohickey on your neck. They wouldn't blow your head off. They would blow your arm off. Um, and, uh, I'm like, I think having it in the head would actually be less like, would be preferable. 
I, I don't want to get my arm blown off. I would, I would, that would be painful. Whereas, you know, if it's in my head, then I'm not going to feel that, but for a second. All right. We'll keep that in mind, Mike. I would be... forward. <laughs> Having said that, if they blow off your arm, you're still alive. But in a lot of pain. Well, there was a guy in the new movie, uh, his whole power is blowing his own arms off, right? That's true. It, it could be a new true. opportunity yeah. for you as a superhero. I don't I don't think that 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 old device would have worked on him much at all. <laughs> Not very well. Um all right, Alex, let's get into the uh nitty-gritty of the box office. What a yeah. weird tale this one is. Yeah, let's hear it for streaming services, everybody. <laughs> um five years ago, five summers ago. The original movie, Suicide Squad, came out to a $133.7 million week opening weekend. Wow, that is impressive. $133.7 million, or as we like to call it back then, eh. <laughs> this weekend, suic- The Suicide Squad, $26.2 million. Yeah. Whoop. And and I love how uh, Warner Brothers is not deterred, still saying that this is the second biggest op- film opening of the year <laughs> because of numbers that they will not disclose. Right. And it, it's, it's like, <laughs> but what does that number mean? You know, it's, it's certainly not a fair comparison. This is a different world that this movie is coming out in. So I, I don't, is that? Yeah. Yes, because it's being shown on HBO Max for sure. free. Yeah. I, uh, I did not go to see this in the theater. Um, uh, so I am, uh, one of the ones that did not spend money on this and, ad- well, I spent my usual, you know, HBO max subscription. Anybody see this in the theater? Wow. Okay. So <laughs> okay. That's, that's why it only made that much. Um, yeah, because, uh, when I was looking at the, the article about it in variety, they said that they're not sure whether it's due to the pandemic or the day-to-date release strategy with HBO Max, or consumer preferences, or the R rating, or a combination of everything, right? Yeah, it's a lot of factors, certainly. And I'm sure they do that math, they run their numbers, they make their projections, and they do whatever seems most logical. Because for a lot of people, it's, oh, you're not going to show it on HBO? Well, I'm not going to go to a theater to see it. And so maybe I'll see it someday, but... You're, you're not going to get ticket money out of me. So it's adding value to HBO. And so that's, you know, that that's where they're going to make their money on it. I think, I think that's their strategy. They're thinking there's no way we're going to make what we made on the first one. Um, So if we want to get something out of it, let's boost our subscriber numbers if we can. Um, And I think that's, that's their attitude. And we're out of the trial period. So this is a month that would have been uh, the regular fourteen ninety nine, as opposed to the six-month deal offer that they gave at the beginning of the year. Right, right. So, um, you know, it's you know, technically speaking, they're making their money, and it's only going to be on, 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 uh, on HBO Max for 30 days. Um, you know, right now, they're, they're really making uh, – uh, Suicide Squad, kind of, or the Suicide Squad, I should be more specific, is is kind of making Space Jam Two look like Space Jam Two. <laughs> I think um, that's all you can say about it, right there. Alex. That's really all you can say about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I, I just wonder when Warner Brothers is talking about like it being the second biggest opening or like, I mean, my, my initial thought was like, oh, they're talking about, you know, Black Widow. And I'm like, no, they're probably talking about Godzilla versus Kong because they don't they acknowledge really anybody else. Um, um, all right. So before we get into the weeds of the movie, another question I have for you, because this article in Variety brought it up and we've been kind of stammering over it as well. The article suggested that one of the things that hurt this movie was the confusion of the title. The fact that a lot of people, you know, would be like, oh, no, I saw that movie already. Um, You know, they can't differ. The audience can't differentiate between casual audience members can't differentiate between Suicide Squad, which came out five years ago, and the Suicide Squad, which is new and really. Now, I don't think people are that stupid, although... The, over the course of the last year and a half has proven me that, that people can be really a lot dumber than I gave them credit for. But Look, I don't know it's what, called the Snyder Cut. You just deal with it. What 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 are your thoughts about about the? Should they have kept the title or what? I mean, does that was that a factor? I think it might have been, especially due to the fact that there were some similar characters, like people recognize. I would argue that Harley Quinn is probably the most recognizable person in the lineup. She's in this one too, and. Like, I think that the title works for me, but yeah, for casual fans. And then when you combine that with all the stuff we talked about earlier, like the pandemic concerns and people not getting out to the theater and less they happen to dive more deeply on HBO Max, I might just scroll, keep scrolling on by because they think, oh yeah, I saw that a couple years ago. I'm actually curious as to just how much promotion they did for television yeah. for this movie, a especially ton. especially over the last two weeks, because for me, that's the big factor, the Olympics. And we finally got the Olympics. And that is a, a, a big grab, especially when nobody can go to them and they have to watch them on television. Um, I, I, you know, I wonder if how much advertising were they doing on the one network that was getting everybody tuned in? I uh, I can tell you because I was tuned in. We this house was tuned in to the Olympics pretty much almost twenty four hours a day. I hear the uh, U.S. did okay, and uh, we always did fine. Um, and um, I can also tell you that now the, the the Olympic coverage by NBC was sponsored by Dune, so I saw a ton of Dune ads. Um, but I can also tell you that I saw a ton of Suicide Squad ads. So um, uh, I don't think they were officially a sponsor, but I know that they were also um, on all of the CW shows. Uh, they they did tie-ins with the wise. They spent a lot of money promoting. So I think the word got out there, but I again I don't know, you know, whether that was a factor or not. And we don't know what the streaming numbers are because they're not giving them out. And they won't. Yeah, we will never yeah. get those. So, all right. So let's talk about the movie itself. Ashley, we'll start with you. What were your thoughts going in uh, or, you know, before you before you watched it at home uh, and uh, before you hit play and and what were your overall thoughts? Yeah. So I am not the hugest fan of the 2016 Suicide Squad movie. I thought the trailers for that were awesome. And then the movie that we got 
for whatever reason, wasn't super awesome. I think it's another case of Warner Brothers meddling and trying to do their own version and conflicting with the director's vision. And then the final project we got was kind of a mess. However, I was a lot more confident about The Suicide Squad because I'm a big fan of James Gunn's work with Guardians of the Galaxy. And I thought, here's a chance for him to do something kind of similar to Guardians where you have this misfit crew of outcasts who kind of come together and have this found family dynamic to save the world. And of course, this time he's gotten an even bigger sandbox to play in. He can do something R-rated and even crazier than Guardians of the Galaxy. So I thought this would be right up his alley. It did take me a bit to kind of get used to the tone at first because the movie has some really out there moments like that weasel creeped me out. I am really thankful that I didn't have nightmares about the weasel because I watched this movie right before bed and especially that after credit sequence where he resurrects like that's just too much like I don't ever want to think about that weasel again. But I thought that James Gunn ultimately did a really good job kind of capturing the quirkiness of these characters And just the more out there elements of the story, like the fact that they're finding this giant rampaging starfish, but also balances that with some really nice character moments. And by the end, I really cared about this superhero whose name was Ratcatcher 2. And I was rooting for the King Shark to make some friends. And I think that's what James Gunn just does so well. He's able to balance all those various factors. And I hope that word of mouth for this movie is good. I've been hearing a lot of good things about it on social media. So hopefully in the days and weeks ahead, people will hear about that and then pick up HBO Max and watch it to the point that Warner Brothers does consider this to be a success because I want them to do more movies like this. Yeah, I think uh, I think it can be said that when five years ago, when the first Suicide Squad movie came out, the big draws were Will Smith and mm-hmm. Margot Robbie. Um, with this one, it seemed like the name that they were really pushing that everybody connected with was James Gunn. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Alex, what about you? What were your thoughts going in? Um, I, again, I was also not one of the ones that was all that crazy about the first film. Um, and I think we're just going to kind of hear that a lot. Uh, so we won't, (laughs) we'll just kind of glaze over it. Pretty much that's a given at this point. Um, (laughs) But the, um, you know, going into this one, I was like, okay, obviously DC grabbed James Gunn right after uh, the Twitter scandal. Right. Uh, And we're like, we're going to get him because, you know, we need him. And it really felt like a desperate move on the part of, uh, on the part of DC. Um, They were going for darker and edgier at the time. And then they bring in James Gunn, who, you know, really got his start through the trauma films and, and really became a name with the Guardians films. And, uh, and even, you know, but, but even before then, you had films like Slither, yep. uh, which, you know, kind of sat there and said, this is the director you're going to get. <laughs> um, and, you know, the more I kind of saw it, the more I kind of went, okay, uh, I love the choices. I love all of the character actors that they've got in this film. This is going to be pretty interesting. And seven minutes later, I said, James Gunn trolled us. (laughs) It's true. It's true. (laughs) 
after that happened, it occurred to me that the movie for me was Guardians of the Galaxy meets Deadpool 2. Hmm. And that's all that I could see of it. Um, and I was like, it's fun. It's an entertaining film. It's Guardians meets Deadpool 2. Hmm. And, and that's, that's all that I'm getting from it. Gotcha. And is that, is that, is that a bad thing? You know, that's the thing is I don't know that that's a bad thing. But it's definitely a far cry from what DC's been doing. Sure. Um, and uh, obviously <laughs> it worked movies. because, Lord help me, the box office show. <laughs> um, mm, yeah, it's kind of sad when, when, the, when the first movie is going, told you, told you, told you. What you wanted was Jared Leto. <laughs> no. No. no, 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 no one's asking for that again. No one's ever asking for that. Snyder cut. It, yeah. It just proves that. Um, yeah. uh, Kevin, what about you? Where are you coming from as far as uh, your, I know you have an extensive history with the team in comics, right? Yeah, more or less. I'm an old school DC fan. I wasn't a regular suicide squad reader. So I read a little bit back in the day, the eighties series, but not, actually not a whole lot, but I'm certainly aware of it and the concept, the characters and so on. And just, uh, yeah, as a, you know, old school DC fan. And, and so I'm going to go see it. I go see all these DC movies, of course. And the uh, 2016 Suicide Squad, I, I feel like my expectations were lowered su- to such a degree at that point coming out of Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman that I, I liked the first suicide suicide squad movie if only because all right you know <laughs> dc had such a terrible track record at that point that i was like okay this is kind of a dark nasty violent sort of comedy movie it's it's ridiculous but all right it's fun enough i enjoyed it and the new one again like i don't watch trailers i don't try to learn much about what movies are coming out and so i go into these almost completely blind so I didn't really know who the characters were uh, going to be in the new one. I, I knew that Margot uh, Robbie was coming back as Harley and James Gunn was directing. I had heard that. That's about all I knew going in. And I, I thought it was really fun. Again, not the greatest thing I've ever seen, but you could tell James Gunn was directing it. If if you've seen the Guardians movies, you could see those touches. You could see where things kind of felt a little Guardian-esque, uh, which, which I was totally fine with. And so I was, uh, yeah, not my all-time favorite movie, but I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Awesome. We'll get more into detail of, of that for sure. Um, Mike, what about you? I got what I was expecting. It's a James Gunn movie. It was pretty much, you know, like Alex said it perfectly, Guardians of the Galaxy meets Deadpool. And that actually sums it up pretty well. It had a lot of dark humor. It had some actually very memorable characters that I liked seeing on the big screen. You know, I never once in my life thought I would ever see Starro the Conqueror in a movie. And, you know, I've been reading comics with him in it, him, it, 
she, whatever it is, <laughs> you know, sorry not to be, you know, picking and anything, but I thought it was pretty amazing to see an interpretation of it on screen. And I loved every second of that. And actually by the end, by the time it was killed, I actually felt sorry for the character in some ways. <laughs> and it was just like, I never thought I would ever say that. And, you know, I like that James Gunn pulled the wool over her eyes at the beginning of the movie. And, I, you know, it had the James Gunn feel. The music was amazing in it. But, you know, that's a James Gunn movie right there. And that's what I felt about it. Everyone knows how I feel about the first movie. I'm not going to say anything. And you know what? I got a good movie. I enjoyed it. And I, you know, left on vacation after and with a smile on my face. So it was cool. Hmm. Uh, I am much the same as uh, a lot of you guys. I uh, obviously... I expected certain things with James Gunn taking over. Yes, I expected it to be sort of similar to Guardians in the fact that it's a superhero team um, fighting some sort of, you know, villainous thing. Um, And uh, it was going to have humor. It was going to have good song selection in the soundtrack. It was going to have, because it was R, you know, the, 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 (laughs) the shackles are off. Uh, so, uh, he can, he can go back to his slither days, his trauma days. And, um, and so a lot of that didn't really surprise me. I was expecting that. And, um, I appreciated that and I, and I could see where, you know, the elements are there. Um, what I didn't expect and what I really appreciate is that it seems like James Gunn went out of his way to go back to the original source material and really uh, give us something that was true to those stories that John Ostringer was telling, that Gail Simone told, that other countless of other people have told in the comics. Um, the, uh, the fact that they were on a mission uh, to a, you know, a sort of a third world country-ish uh, island thing, was was very much similar to a lot of the storylines that were in the Ostinger run. Um, he even went so far as to cast uh, Waller's crew, like the, the 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 people that are working with her in her office, the ones that actually turn on her, are actually characters that are in the comic. And the the guy who uh, is the the bearded guy, um, he actually uh, is he plays a warden in the original run, but he's the warden of uh, Belle Reve where all the, the prison where all the, the suicide squad members are kept. Um, John Economos is his name. I had to look it up, but um, I mean, and spot on casting, he looks exactly like that character did in the comics. Um, and, and so forth, the other women that are in that office too are right from the comics. Uh, Mike, you already mentioned Starro. Um, Ashley, you mentioned uh, uh, Weasel, right? Um, there's a very, very, uh, one of my favorite Suicide Squad stories in the comics that of ba- back in the day was a team-up they did with Doom Patrol, where they go to this uh, th- third world country island, and they uh, get into a little bit of trouble, and Weasel's on the team, and Weasel gets killed in that storyline. 
And, uh, and I was like, wow, James must have read this story. Um, the, the tower, the uh, Jotunheim tower that uh, Starro is kept in, that, they're, that the squad is uh, infiltrating, is from the very first storyline that, uh, that uh, Ostringer uh, wrote for the squad this is this is like this is a guy who reads the source material like all of that stuff characters and plotting and all the other stuff combined like there are a lot of issues with the original suicide squad movie but starting with uh the fact that james did his research and brought was his main purpose was to bring the comic to life in this really impressed me um more than anything else like this is this is the suicide squad movie uh that we should have gotten and that we you know that i'm glad we got because it's very much in the spirit of those comics now granted those comics weren't as gory uh but they were some of them were just as funny so that may have been one of the reasons why it wasn't uh as as strongly received um, that being said, it might have been strongly received, and we just don't know because it's a streamer. <laughs> right. um, but by that same token, we're dealing with a lot of characters that are, uh, you know, uh, again, probably good that we weren't getting, you know, here's Savant, and here's his tragic backstory, so that you really, really appreciate him when we kill him three minutes into the film. Um, or... or <laughs> If he had said, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all, I'd have been like, this movie's the best movie ever. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, you have these films. Honestly, if they were going to troll us like they did, why not do a whole bunch of vignettes on each character? Let the public know. Because I think one of the big problems was is that we've seen Harley Quinn in two previous movies. Neither one of them were really talked about in a positive light. Everyone seems to say, we like her, we don't like the rest that she's been in. Um, And I wonder if, you know, that's just proof that she's not a strong enough character yet to carry the film. They don't. Um, they don't let at her. least to get people. At least to get people into the box, into the theater seats. I, I think uh, in, there's just as much push for Idris Elba as there is for Harley Quinn in those. Ads. I want. Uh, yeah, I want to. I want to. Yeah, thank you. I wanted to start with with Margot Robbie and Harley Quinn. This is the third appearance of her. Uh, I think one of the reasons that the first movie did so well is because that was the first live action Harley that we had gotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, I think that she'd been in a Birds of Prey series, the character, or something like that yeah. before that. But but this is the first time we really got. That was the first time we really got Harley. Yeah, so, Birds of Prey didn't. They, they didn't do full blown Harley. That was like no. the, the character is like pre Harley. She was yeah, still just a yeah. psychiatrist. I think they were going there, but yeah, they didn't yeah. get that chance. <laughs> um, but so yeah, so and then despite the fact that not that film wasn't well received you're right alex everybody was like but margot Robbie is perfect as harley like don't do not change that at all like she is the one that needs to continue she goes on and does uh birds of prey uh which came out last year which i liked yeah um, as, I, as was, I recall I, I recall that being pretty well received yeah i think it was i mean maybe not great great but it was but you're right alex i think despite the fact that she's a name 
and a character of of significance, I think they are afraid to let her just be in a movie by herself, like without a team. Um, yeah. Now, granted, she works better when she has somebody to play off of. Um, my Absolutely. my understanding was that James did not want to use her in this movie, and that the studio said you need to, and so that's why she has the storyline she does, which is kind of she goes off on and does her own thing for a while, and then oh, is reunited at the end. So, and then of course, like she and Harley wasn't part of the those eighties Suicide Squad stories either. Of course, right, I mean, right. maybe that's why uh, James Gunn was reluctant. I think so. Have her in there, yeah. That yeah, makes sense. and yeah, I think so. Um, and she's yep. been in later iterations of the Suicide Squad. Yeah, uh, that was one of the one of the more ridiculous become, things I yeah. thought in in the the 2016 movie. It's like okay, we're gathering this team to for this mission, and one of these supposed supervillains we're going to choose is a mentally ill woman with a baseball bat. <laughs> well, I think she didn't really become associated really with the Suicide Squad until the New 52, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. So before that, I don't think she was. But it was interesting because I like that James pulled the wool over our eyes and introduced all these characters, having them even stand in front of the American flag and... I like how they introduced them and everyone's backstories, not like how they did full blown things in the first one. This is, you know, dead shot. This is blah, blah. And you know, everything they just were reading off the files. And I love how they were betting money. They're saying, Oh, this one's, this person's not going to make it. This one's not going to make it. And, were they betting or were they just spoiling the film? <laughs> a little of both, actually. A little of both, yeah. Um, yeah, but it, it was awesome. And I love how, you know, and I loved how pretty much all those characters, boom, 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 right out. And it was, it was great. It was That was, that was awesome. funny. I, I like the, the misdirect of, of the, the first team that we see. I thought, I thought, huge misdirect. I thought that was fun. And it was also a, a fun way to use actors like Michael Rooker and Pete Davidson from Saturday Night Live. And these guys, if they're not going to be stars through the whole movie, that, that was a good way to have This was them the first time I actually liked Pete parts. Davidson at all <laughs> in anything. I'll, uh, to be fair, I did enjoy watching Pete Davidson's face get blown off. Um, I, I want to jump back to, to Margot Robbie. Um, uh, I, I've got to say this. Her storyline in this film, I really, really liked. I thought they did a great job with that. And the idea that she's not as crazy as we're led to believe. Um, and yet she's a lot crazier than we're led to believe. <laughs> um I, I her her whole thing of you know she gets brought out and of course falls in love with the first guy who says I like you, um, and then the moment that she hears that he's kind of a despot, she shoots him and kills him and explains it like listen I think you're great you're wonderful. But sometimes you see a red flag. Killing kids. Killing that's kids is her red flag. You gotta, and you got it. That's her red flag. I think that's wonderful. And then, of course, you know, she, she does this wonderful monologue talking about it as he's bleeding to death. 
and, and everything. And then it finishes with her going, can you imagine, can you believe they left a bullet in this gun? <laughs> yeah, it, it was so, it, it was a, a shocking moment that suddenly t- that she just shoots him in the chest. And, but, but yeah, yeah Alex, you're, I, that speech that she gives and it, it's, kind of dark and weird but also kind of beautifully poetic the way she summed it up with with, with your I, I love you so much more whatever she said now that you don't have those horrible thoughts in your brain anymore <laughs> as yeah, he's laying yeah, there you're, you're much more beautiful. as he's laying there bleeding yeah. out on the floor it was awesome and then the the, the escape you, sequence when she's hanging and then has to grab the mm-hmm. guy with her thighs and, the, and unlock herself you know, get, get the key with her foot and then go through grabbing the guns and that whole that whole sequence was so beautifully choreographed that was spectacular it was all really well done the the stuff with harley by herself the harley story is probably my favorite part of the whole film um that and peacemaker but um who i I, I didn't see anybody (laughs) i know i know it's amazing he's got this stealth thing you can't see him um so uh yeah the uh um the margo's uh stuff in this uh the whole harley uh, arc really shows how much she's grown uh, in the three movies, and it's very weird that we sit that I've sat there and said, "Well, yeah, she, you know, it, it's, it, you know, she's been the best part of these films, but hasn't been, you know, strong enough to carry everything." And in this one, James Gunn gave her the ball, and she ran with it completely, and really did a great job. But that speech that she does reminded me so much of American Beauty. Mm. Ooh, I can see that. With this whole, you know, like, you know, it's, it's, it's dark and it's beautiful and it's poetic. And I love the fact that you said poetic, Kevin, because that's exactly what it was. Um, and, and yet, you know, you still have to sit there and go, this is some dark nonsense is what this is. And then, of course, again, she and then finishes it with a joke. Oh, of course. Always. You know, always finish with yeah. a joke. Always. Um, Ashley, what about you? What did you feel about uh, Harley in this movie? Yeah, I. one of the things I'm glad is that they have had Harley move beyond her relationship with the Joker. I know that's a big part, the connection between those characters. But for the movie, I have really liked seeing her come into her own. And I think this is my favorite version of Harley just because the Joker doesn't really come up at all. She's doing her own thing. She's becoming more confident. And again, like, is it really great that she just shot somebody? But I mean, she's at least thinking more about, you know, taking a stand for what she feels and not being controlled by a relationship or the promises that another person may offer her. So like um, you said, Alex, I think she has interestingly had a character arc over these three movies. And I hope that eventually they do give her the space to have her own film because I think this is one of those these cases when an actor really is born to play a role I think she has a lot of passion for the character and she brings a lot of heart and intentionality to the performance and I really enjoyed that she was allowed to shine in a movie that has so many characters and I think that's again something that James Gunn characters to each their own individual necessarily um, I all had little moments and I did all partly to do it. I think we lost Ashley. Yeah. Ashley froze. She froze on her birthday. It's a sign of getting old. 
<laughs> she can't stay up no. this late. Past her bedtime. All right, well, while Ashley reconnects, the, I would say I absolutely agree with, with what Ashley just said. And yeah, I, I don't think that people particularly want to see Harley just being subservient to a monster. You know, that that's, that's her origin, but she has to move beyond that. And she has... And I think we're also seeing that in the cartoon as well. You know, you know, Kaylee Cuolo is is a killing it as as Harley in the cartoon as well, uh, which is also you know a hard rated R essentially <laughs> cartoon, and and Harley is the headliner in that. So yeah, this is a character that I think has really proven herself in the the TV series and these three movies now. Yeah, I would Agreed. agree too. I, I think I think uh, I think. Uh, you know, Margo does a tremendous job and, uh, you know, Kevin, you brought up the point like earlier, like, why would you put her on the team? And it's pretty obvious you put her on the team because she can get the job done. Like, you know, she doesn't need to be saved by the guys. <laughs> like, like she just can go. And, and I love that, you know, I love that scene as well from her breakout uh, just because it was reminiscent. I don't think action wise, it was as good as that is her tearing through the 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 police uh, station in the in Birds of Prey, but it was still pretty great. Um, and and I like the idea of the flowers and the animated birds and everything yes. replacing blood and everything. I I kind of wish, but it came at a weird time. I was like, all of a sudden it was there, and I thought, well, if we're in Harley's head now why are we in her head now? Like, why weren't we in her head before? Like, it just seemed like it was a weird juxtaposition. It was a nice idea, but I, I don't know if it went, um, if it, if it really worked as well as it could have. Cause I think maybe if the whole sequence was like that, you know, it would have been fun, but maybe their animation budget wasn't that strong. I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, all right. So enough about Harley. Let's talk about some other characters. Alex, name another character that what? stood out for you. Oh my gosh, if we don't talk about uh, my man, uh, uh, Peacemaker. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was, a, okay, I don't know why. I don't know why I keep underestimating John Cena as an actor. <laughs> he's got it. He's got comedic chops. He really knows what he's doing and he enjoys himself. And in this one, he, oh, Man, how dark did he go at the end of the mm-hmm. film? Um, that's just one of those things. I would, you know, it's like this is a character that I, you know, the entire film, I'm cracking up by some of the things that he's having mm-hmm. to say. Um, and and the interactions that he's having with everybody. He has a pure moment of I'm just trying to appease you with King Shark over that piece of explosive. And then turns around as soon as his back is turned, he goes, that thing looks nothing like me. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's very nice. You, you did something very great. Go put it over there. And it's just like, that's the kind of, that's the kind of, of, of wonderful character that we need. And if you guys have not been seeing him during his interviews for this, go on YouTube and find them. He's going to these interviews as Peacemaker. Yeah. <laughs> Full costume. Oh, wow. Yes, it's hysterical. 
um, definitely check that out. It's it's really very. Well, there funny. is definitely life to this uh, this character post this movie. I mean, we know that there's going to be a series, whether it takes place before, or after, we're not sure. I but, would assume um, after because that's after, what they were teasing. That was the after the, the post yeah. credit scene. Right there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would think so as well. But uh, but it does say that they're going to talk about his origins. So, but okay. um, but you know, I think they promoted it as a prequel prior to the movie coming out because they didn't want to spoil whether or not he was alive or not. So mm. now that the movie's out now that it can be pretty obvious that it's, you know, but um, I think Alex, to your point too, like at first I was like, I, I was amused, but I was like, man, he's just playing a one note. This, I mean, obviously he's playing what it's written, but Peacemaker here and boy, Peacemaker fans who were back in the day, like loving him as a comic character must be not happy with this portrayal of him because this is like in your face, like, not what he is in the comics but um but for what it is on the screen it's just this one-dimensional one-note guy and and it's and he's fine with that but then you're right when he's fighting rick flag he reaches down and gets dark and you see a side of john cena that i've i've never seen and uh we've seen him get like you know pretty quote-unquote dark and uh in wrestling but but he was i was like wow this is He's taken it to a whole new level, and I was impressed as well. Yeah, he did a really, really great job, and I honestly, I look forward to uh, to seeing what he's going to do with his show. But again, you know, it, it's so good, and I, I'm, I'm going to let the other people talk. So. <laughs> uh, Kevin, what about you? What's a character that uh, stood out for you? Well, so many, I know. Yeah, yeah, my man, what a massive ensemble cast. Well, let, let's talk a little polka dot man. <laughs> oh, polka dot man was awesome. What do you? What does he throw polka dots? Like... <laughs> this was yes, one of, yes, yes, he does. <laughs> and, and again, like because I I don't watch the ads, I don't watch the trailers. I knew nothing about this movie going in. When I first saw him in the costume, I thought it was Crazy Quilt. Oh, right, which was another. <laughs> I mean, Polka Dot Man was originally a pretty obscure, like, Silver Age, early Silver Age, I think, Batman villain, back when Batman had very, very ridiculous villains back then. And Crazy Quilt is another one like that, and with the multicolored, kind of goofy-looking outfit. And so, yeah, yeah, Polka Dot Man, that that kind of threw me. I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is (laughs) Polka Dot Man. And, yeah, interesting, though, that, that they took such a goofy character but then also it's it's such a dark tragic take here's this 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 kind of defeated person who sees his mother everywhere and that they really went dark with him oh when starro turned into his mother was just awesome (laughs) so that was yeah we get to see his point of view but yeah he's he's an abused child is is you know they they wanted to give she wanted her boys to have superpowers and that's this is the kind of world that this in this would with this can happen where like oh there's superpower people here so i'm going to try to give my boys superpowers and it's not going to go well <laughs> yep no. the, the, the polka dots looked great as well i thought when he would fire them at people that they looked cool you know a guy shooting polka dots at people it sounds ridiculous it actually looked cool when he was actually using the powers and then when you just get those crazy welts all over his face mm-hmm. that was so creepy and effective as well so that they they really uh successfully <laughs> made this character work i thought 
not not just look cool but look deadly yeah. like i mean the after effect of what got hit with those polka dots looked gruesome so yeah he was not a joke at that point he was like you were wondering if he's the most powerful one of them all is this an actor that anyone is familiar with because I, I was not i've seen him in some things but i okay. i think this is the first time he's really stood out to me. he was in uh ant-man one of the uh crew oh. of criminals that uh they team up with yeah. oh wow okay a little you, crossover exactly he was one of i think the russian one who yeah in the oh. first man actually he was right. in the second one also because he was working at the security company with every but wow, he wasn't the okay. one who kept on telling the story and then this happened and then <laughs> so but yeah it, he would i think for me polka dot man was one of the standouts and everything and he was so traumatic, you know, what happened to him and, you know, who's your worst enemy? My mother, you know? <laughs> and it's like, Oh, or like even when he was at the bar and everywhere he saw was his mother. And it was just, it was just awesome. And, and his end, I mean, I mean, I'm a superhero crunch. <laughs> obviously, you know, it's, it's like kind of tragic whenever you see these, these, these characters get killed, but, in some ways, it was kind of nice for him because he's finally like, look, mom, I'm a superhero. I'm what you wanted me to be, Squash. Like, that's his pinnacle. Like, yeah. that's where he dies. Like, that's that he doesn't he's not going to get anything bigger than that. So his his end is actually probably the best out of anybody's really. Uh, yeah. And it's the Suicide Squad. You know, we're, we're not all going to make it home. <laughs> no, so. not at all. Uh, unless your name's Margot Robbie. Uh, and then uh, we've got we've got too much cash writing in on you. Um, uh, Ashley, what about you? What's another character that stood out for you? Well, I have to give just a quick shout out to King Shark, who I absolutely adore. Just everything about that character. Yeah. But my favorite member of the Suicide Squad actually ended up being Rat Catcher 2, which is interesting. When I first heard it, I thought, this is kind of a hokey name. Like, what's going on here? But then I really liked that she was actually carrying on her father's legacy. And for someone with kind of a, you would think like a horde of rodents is a disturbing power, but she actually cares about the animals. And I loved her little rat sidekick, like was super cute. I don't know what Idris Elba's problem with the rat was. I thought the rat was super cute, but it was interesting to see how her power, which again is one of those that kind of like polka dot man, like this controlling rats, that seems kind of lame. And yet she ended up helping to save the world with this power. And I think that's what this movie does again and again and again. These are kind of the reject superheroes and villains, but they are all able to have their moment where their very unique and bizarre powers actually help them to save the day. Oh, it was amazing when she pulled out the thing and all the rats came. It was, that was awesome. And just all over Starro and started devouring him. It was, yeah. that was really yeah. awesome. And the rat, of course, was play, voiced D. Bradley Baker. Oh, awesome. Which is pretty awesome. And <laughs> so, you know, and who's known for doing all like the animal voices, but he does all the clones in Star Wars. He's also. been a busy so guy. Awesome. Oh, God, yes. So I, 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 we, we, we'd have to point out, um, Steve Agee, who, uh, was, uh, uh John Economist, yep. I think as I, I'm butchering the name was also the yep. on set yeah. King shark. 
So he had to wear this ridiculous uh, uh, headpiece uh, to give kind of people a line of sight and everything like that. But he did an amazing job with it, and I loved uh, uh, that. King Shark was great. Taika Waititi uh, as Ratcatcher. Yeah, what an amazing, amazing not, in, cameo. not just a cameo because I, I think that's a disservice because he, like, you think of Waititi as just a humor guy, like a funny guy. Here he plays a really sweet, like, it's a really sweet, tender moment. It's not funny. It's just more like, you know, you would not, I would not expect that from him at all. And I, that was a nice surprise. He's very, very sweet. He's very loving and he's very protective uh, of, of his daughter. And it's, it's really just uh, a beautiful sequence. It's weird to sit there and say, it's a beautiful sequence when the rats <laughs> yeah. cover them all to keep them warm. Um but uh, it, it, that is exactly what it is. It's a, it's a very, it's a beautiful moment in the film. Uh, and you just kind of go, ah, and at the same time, ew. Um, remember, I hate the movie Ratatouille. So, um, you know, I get what's wrong, what, what, what Idris Elba's issues were. Um, but yeah, no, I really, I think the Rat Catcher 2, um, you know what it is? It's again, it's James Gunn uh, uh, subverting everything because the two biggest hero, the three biggest heroes in this film, when it came to the giant monster at the end, were Polka Dot Man, Ratcatcher yep. 2, and Sebastian the Rat. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. Mike, what about you? What's a, what's a character that stood out for you? All of the people who were working against Amanda Waller pretty much. They were awesome. They, you know, were, you know, like watching in a ghast while she basically was telling them to walk away. And I loved when they they just said enough's enough. She was about to blow off Edris Elba's head and you know got they not took her out and it was just like I thought they killed her. I thought they did too. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, they just killed the wall!" Like I didn't expect the wall to be a casualty. Yeah, and it it was awesome and everything. And I truly, fully expected that helicopter to explode. You know, Amanda Waller just saying, "You you don't with me," basically, and the helicopter exploded at the very end. Like, I was surprised to see that those that her crew was still alive after at the end because I was like, "Yeah, they're dead." Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, that yeah. that was weird. They're like, now how could they still be working in the next room to her after <laughs> she wakes up? And then I guess they sort of tried to explain it by their punishment is now yeah. having to go work with Peacemaker. Right, right. Um, uh, but yeah, that's a, I like the crew too, and I, it even meant more to me once I realized that they were actually based on comic characters, mm-hmm. uh, not just like Stooges. So I thought that was that was really wonderful that James put that in there. Um, I want to talk about Idris Elba because no one else is uh, Bloodsport. Um, my understanding is that he was originally hired to be uh, Deadshot. Uh, they were going to replace Will Smith. Oh. And then uh, um, uh, James said, you know what? I'm not comfortable doing that because let's leave it open. So in case Will Smith wants to come back at some point. So, uh, so let's ba- make him another character which has the exact same powers <laughs> and skills and Bloodsport, you know, I mean, look, he's, he's a, he's a 
he's a thread. He's in the comics. He's there. I don't know a lot about him. He's a Superman villain. Um, I think he was created by John Byrne if, during the beginning of that era. I think. Yeah, he's. My understanding is he's gone through a couple of different uh, makeovers, uh, but uh, you know, I mean, he's fine. I mean, he serves the purpose. Uh, I mean, it's Idris Elba, right? He's just he's great. He he's the guy that holds it together. Um, I, I did find it interesting that one of the and he's part of this. One of the themes of this movie is that you know you can go too far. And that is killing kids is too far. We are told that by multiple characters in this movie, uh, by Harley herself, uh, that that killing going killing kids is too, is taking it too far. And uh, and certainly he sort of represents that uh, because obviously the wall who doesn't mind using that sort of tactic um, is uh, yeah is using that against him. And I have to give a shout out to our bud Peter Capaldi as the thinker. Yep. Uh, man, how, what, he was awesome. You I didn't, didn't like him. him. I really, really didn't like him in this. No, because the thinker I'm used to seeing goes back all the way to this golden age. Yep. And he was always somebody who was doing mind control and right. items like that. And that's why I he had, for me, that's why when I saw the pictures, I thought, oh, he has the 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 spark plugs or whatever sticking out of his head because he does mind control and he was you know trying to figure out better ways of mind control from Starro was what I had assumed but didn't have anything to do with that he was just a mad scientist who was you know later found out working for the Americans to basically get control of and to harness all of Starro's powers and did ex- horrific ex- experiments on all these people and everything. I, but I thought he was a pretty boring character in this. Capaldi's awesome, but I thought he was wasted, truthfully, as the thinker. He could have been any scientist. Having him as the thinker for me was that was my weak point for the movie, truthfully. It's funny because uh, the thinker is actually in that uh, storyline with um, uh, Doom Patrol and Suicide Squad, that crossover uh, from DC. If anybody needs, uh, should, if if they like this movie, they should pick up that that. Uh, I'm sure you can get it cheap, um, but uh, in the quarter bin or something. Although I don't know, maybe Suicide Squad and Doom Patrol comics have gone up in price because of the success of both. Um, uh, but yeah, I could see that. You know. Um, he was one note, but I thought he played that one note really well. So, I mean, not everybody could have, you know, moments. And and maybe, maybe uh, you know, like a lot of the Marvel movies, like actually that first Guardians movie, you know, the villain is kind of boring. Like, you know, they don't really come, they don't have a great villain. It's all about the team coming together or not um and fighting amongst themselves rather than and 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 overcoming obstacles than it is more about like a villain and their their scheme or whatever right? yeah and the, the structure of this is so different than most of the comic book movies that we get and you talk about villains in this well, well everybody's a villain for one thing <laughs> that's true <laughs> but then like well who is in the villain roles in the story i mean amanda waller is is practically a villain in in her motivations and, and oh her very ta- much so very this. very much so 
the thinker is just kind of there to facilitate the mission. And so he's just there. He looks funny with the goofy thing sticking out of his head. And I, I thought he was fine. And then we go, you know, kaiju, giant starfish <laughs> for just a, a monster movie ending. So it was just kind of a mix of who's the villain through the whole thing. Yeah, it the, differs depending on the on the on the act. Act oh, one has yeah. one villain, act two has another villain. Act three. Yeah. I did love it. They took it right out of the comic, showing the person's face, what happens when they tried to peel the starfish off. Oh yeah. And everything. And that was right from the comic books. And it, it was Well in the comics you can survive. If you're getting it, defe- it peeled off while it, it, Star was still conscious. And so it no, I don't think so. When, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of stories where the Justice League is is under their under Star Wars control and then is fine afterwards. Oh, but after they, fine, they they, they take it in this one to like nope, oh, nope. Oh no, in this, <laughs> if you get under Star Wars control, you die. And you're, <laughs> you're dead. You're dead. But no, in the comics, no. If like Star gets beat and is knocked out, Starro's little minions or whatever you want to call it, you know, basically just fall off the face and everyone's okay. That thing. Not this. Nope. And the body count in this movie. Oh, my God. Oh, I wouldn't even I want count. to start. I lost count after the first seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I lost count of, like, you know, the like, basically the, the squad, the first squad that gets annihilated. I was like, oh, like, okay, how many of those were there? <laughs> um, I was sad to see uh, Captain Boomerang go, just because I know as a comic character, he's got a rich history, and he just I don't know. They just don't seem to be able to figure him out as far as giving him a good live action version. Yeah. And, and and it's a guy that was in the first Suicide Squad movie also, right. you know, and Rick Flagg as well, who also does not survive. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Was... You think they're safe, but nope. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Digger. Uh, yeah. Captain Boomerang is all over those, those that, that run of, uh, of the Ostrander. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Awesome and I mean, and that was part of the original concept of that series was here's a way to kind of clean house. We can put ridiculous villains that we yep. we probably don't even care about keeping around, and and here's a way of having an ongoing series where characters, members of our lead team, can and will actually die. So there's that surprise element kind of baked into this concept. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. And it's apparent to me that no matter what form the Flash is on TV or in movies or whatever, they're never going to give us a rogues uh, gallery. They're never going to give us the Flash rogues as it is in the comics, which is one of the best things about the Flash. So that's another soapbox for me to get on. But <laughs> at some point, but uh, but wrapping this up with su- the Suicide Squad movie, um, some final thoughts and uh, whether or not you want to see. Now, James Gunn is involved with the Peacemaker TV series. It's going to be on HBO Max. They've also the W um, Warner Brothers has also said that he's tapped to do other things uh, for DC as well. Um, do you want to see more, Ashley? Uh, what final thoughts on this? And if you want to see more, yeah, um, I would definitely like to see more DC movies from James Gunn. But maybe instead of just doing a direct Suicide Squad sequel, kind of let him play around in the universe find some new things that haven't been explored, like maybe take a few of these characters and do something new with them. 
I don't want him to necessarily box in, but this has to be a straight sequel that follows on with all these characters and is the events that happens next after the Suicide Squad. Give him a little creative freedom and keep letting him play in that sandbox. Awesome. Let him play in his own sandbox. Um, He doesn't have to be in the one. (laughs) Here's the biggest problem that I see. Um, James Gunn needs to have a James Gunn style of character to work with. Um, He can do quirky with the Guardians. We've seen what he can do here with the Suicide Squad. Honestly, Swamp Thing. I'm feeling that. I'd like to see him because wow. it's a weird enough character that to go full camp, he can. If he wants to go full dark, he can. Um, I think there's a lot that he can do with a misfit style character who's actually rather incredible. Wow. That's interesting. It's interesting because, cool. you know, I wouldn't mind seeing him go on the same misfit kind of way and see him take on the Doom Patrol would be pretty mm. awesome. Yeah, I like to think that we're already getting a pretty great Doom Patrol in the series, though. So uh, I don't know if I need necessarily need them to be on the big screen at this point. Yeah, um, and, and I, I really like that Swamp Thing series as well that came out concurrently with Doom Patrol, although it, it kind of got you know cut off at the knees, but it, it was right. that was also quite good. Um, yeah, I, I'd be happy to see to see uh, Mr. Gunn do some more, some more DC stuff, maybe a lighter approach just to mix it up. I mean, I was okay with going uh, hard rated R and ultra violence. Uh, it's like, okay, if that's what this is, then okay, I, I can, I can deal with that. But I know that uh, my wife, for example, she heard that this was very violent and she loves the guardians movies just like I do, but she said, no, I'm not going to do this one. So, you know, he, he's missing out on those people that, loved what he did over at Marvel, but they're not going to go as far as how hyper-violent and gory this was. But even looking at how he's really good at kind of quirky ensemble cast kind of uh, superhero science fiction stuff. So just in, in the world of DC, I was thinking of the Green Lantern Corps. What could he do with that? Oh, wow. That would be or awesome. What about the yeah. Omega Man? You know, that there's lots of, that might be a little too close to Guardians. That's probably, a little, yeah. Visually. That's, yeah. <laughs> but Green Lantern Corps, come on. Or, or even closer to Earth, like, like what about a Justice League Detroit sort of a sort of a, a thing? Might be fun. What's, you know, what's the Substitute League? <laughs> the oh, League of Substitute, yes. the Legion of Substitute Heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah in the future, yeah. <laughs> that could work. Yeah. But you know what also, I could also see him do, which would kind of be kind of fun wouldn't it be kind of cool to see him do like a booster gold blue beetle series would be kind of Mm -hmm. fun yeah yeah or even that that sort of a take on the jla even that that 80s justice league take with with booster and and blue oh as long as he has batman punch guy gardner for one punch (laughs) one yeah yeah but that 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 would be an interesting approach as well to take a step away from the main you know, JLA people that we've had in, in the, the movie that we got and roll it back to those B-level 80s characters with fire and ice and Animal Man and, and you know, that, that list goes on and on. That would be fun, too. Mike, what about you? Last uh, last thoughts on this one? Oh, give this movie a chance. It's fun, it is gory, and it's violent. But I think this is the Suicide Squad we should have gotten the first time. 
And, you know, you'll never look at Nathan Fillion the same way after he loses his arms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was brutal. Yeah. That was brutal. So, yeah, it was interesting. And, you know, definitely fun. And, you know, it's it's a good popcorn movie. And, you know, just enjoy it. I, I agree. It was an enjoyable movie. And for me, the highlight, um, you know, talk about a kid's dream come true was to see a huge starro just littering the, <laughs> the land with these little starros and them attaching themselves on people and i was like this is awesome like it it didn't look hokey it didn't look cheesy it just looks like freaky and scary and i was like this it, is this is amazing they look um, like flocks of birds coming down basically it was i really mean it cool. looked it, it just yeah they the way that he handled starro was I mean, I mean, I think what the, the the shots of thousands of the little starros flying yeah. out and clamping on the faces that part looked genuinely scary. The parts with starros stomping around like Godzilla that yeah. looked goofy. That looked, yeah. which is fine. That's fine. That's sure. what it is. But sure. that looked ridiculous. Yeah, I will say I'll get you there, but but <laughs> not not. It didn't take away from it. You're right. That's no, the kind no. of tone that this set. No, right? that's what you want. You want a goofy so, monster stomping around like Godzilla. So here's my uh, here's my thoughts on on James Gunn and uh, career advice for him. Like he's going to listen to me. Um, but uh, all right, so we know he's, he's popping one of our over biggest to, fans. Come on, he's we know he's popping over to the MCU next, and uh, you know doing Guardians as well as the Guardians Christmas special. Then it seems like he's popping back over to DC to do whatever. Uh, I would like to see him the, the, his next movie be. Um, sort of a, a follow-up to this one with uh, two squads going up against each other. The one with uh, Will Smith versus one with Idris Elba. I think that would be fi- kind of cool. The title is even right there. Suicide Squad versus The Suicide Squad. That would be the movie <laughs> title. That's it's, it's like it writes itself. Um, and then I want to see James Gunn just go off and do his own thing. That guy must be tired of playing the, the people's sandbox. Sure, he gets paid for it, but... You know, after bouncing back and forth from DC to Marvel to DC to Marvel, like let him, you know, I want to see him do something original. So that's that's my hope for him. You know, I mean, I know that DC is desperate to have somebody creative and competent in charge of everything, but I don't think that should be James Gunn at this point. But um, uh, but whatever he does, I'll be there because this was amazing so and I, I heard that the uh the first half of the guardians christmas special is going to be entirely spoken in wookie <laughs> at long last I hope, so. I, I hope that's true i hope that's true um awesome well it's been uh, amazing uh reviewing this movie and talking about this movie with you guys uh we will be right back and we will get to it I hear the train a-coming, it's rolling around a bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison, and time keeps dragging on. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take, I'm your host Angela, and this week this geek girl is talking about the card game Vampire the Masquerade Rivals. It's been a bit since I've talked about some games, so I figured I would talk about the new Vampire the Masquerade game called Rivals. This is an expandable card game. In the main box, you get enough for two players to play against each other, and the decks are already set up for play, with some extra cards for customization once you get the basics of the game and want to maybe switch some of them out. 
I really enjoyed this game. It can play up to two to four players. So there's lots of ways to have a different experience each time you play. Or you can play the same clan and learn how to use their abilities and wipe out your friends. It has the same clans for Vampire that many of us are used to from the RPG and the CCG. The artwork is cool and they're bringing out other clans later on to keep the game fresh or to bring in other friends that you'd want to play. If you like card games that don't require you to continuously buy cards to keep up with the game, then you'll enjoy this game since it's expandable, not customizable. Thanks for listening to Geek Girls Take. What will I talk about next week? You'll have to listen to find out. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. And now we're here with new friend of the show, Alex Ogle. Welcome to our Station One. Hey, it's good to be here. Yeah, welcome back. Um, I yeah. understand that you have a Kickstarter that uh, is going on right now. I do, I do. We have a, I have a team working with me finally. I've, I've been doing these Kickstarters by myself mostly. Right. So now I've actually been working with uh, writer Shane Berryhill, and he created that help. I helped create this uh, storyline with him, and so now we have Jason and the Olympians, which is live on Kickstarter, and. Originally, I was going to draw the book, and then we found somebody that I thought, this person's going to do a way better job than me. This is Whoa, <laughs> it's going to be different, but it's going to be that's cool. That's saying a lot, dude. Oh, yeah. uh... I, I'm very proud of this art. The team has really come together. We have a, basically a line artist, uh, Mattia Monaco, and then a uh, colorist, uh, Maya Opic. So, yeah. Oh, tell us a little bit about the concept. Um, how long? What, what's the sure. origin of uh, Jason and the Olympians? The real life origin. Like where did yeah. where did this start? Oh, the uh, it really came out with uh, with Shane coming to me and and telling me about the story originally, and then I helped design the characters. And so it started. It's been in the works for a couple of years now because we were going to do a Kickstarter originally with me as the artist on the book, and that didn't really take off. And so I was like, we should retool, rethink this. This is a good story. It's solid. And so I designed a bunch of stuff. We ended up talking to the different artists and everything and line and everything. And then pages just started rolling in last year. And it, now it's fully illustrated. We were just culling the final pages of the book. Um, I lettered the whole book. I've done all the pre-production and everything on it. Uh, so it's ready to go to the press, basically. And so we're just trying to get the uh, funds together to see, you know, like, how many we can print and that kind of thing. So now, yeah. now the, the concept sounds mythic, Jason and mm-hmm. the Olympians, of course. Um, yeah. And for those people who are just listening to this and haven't seen it, uh, Jason is spelled J A C I N. So it's uh it's not Jason and the Argonauts, uh, but it, <laughs> I, I imagine there's some, some similarities there. Yeah. It's uh it's, it's based like uh, if Greek mythology was kind of literal and there were aliens behind it. And the whole story is set in the near future. And so uh, it's set on Earth 100 years in the future or so. Uh, and basically the Titans are coming to Earth and, and destroying mankind. And so we try, we build this giant spacecraft and we go off in this kind of arc called the Olympia. 
And so Jason's part of that and her mother's, if you read the first kind of pages on the site, uh, you'll see her kind of story, her, her mother's story, um, where this, uh, Olympia is actually leaving. And so Jason's just a baby at that point. And so they leave and then the, they're continually chased by the Titans and trying to destroy humanity and the ships are last kind of hope. And so we have these, uh, these Colossi, which is the uh, robot kind of, it's kind of like Voltron in a way. You got these kind of robot uh, creatures. And so they're different mythic creatures like a Sphinx and that kind of thing. And, and so the, these Olympians and Jason have to figure out how to pilot these things. And, and they actually form a giant robot called uh, Talos, which is our, our kind of uh, giant robot that fights the giant Titan creatures. So Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So it's, a, it's a fun space adventure where uh, Jason's trying to find her way in this. She's super smart. She's working with her team, but the team are all demigods and she's not. She's just a regular human. And so she has to try to, to step up in that role. Uh, so it's, it's a pretty fun story. Greek mythology meets science fiction. You got me. You got me hooked. <laughs> and, and, and the yeah. artwork looks fantastic. Uh, almost a Sean Murphy quality to this art. I yeah, love yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Mattia does this like uh, scratchiness. He, he does everything in Photoshop. He kind of goes right into it and illustrates right digitally. And it comes out with that kind of scratchiness. But yet it's kind of it's kind of got a cartoony, a little bit more cartooniness than, than Sean Murphy. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I mean, he does too, but this is a little bit more uh, expressive in some ways, a little more exa- exaggerated, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. I like yeah, the style. Absolutely. Well, um, and yeah, we've had Shane on uh, a, while, a while ago too, and he's a great writer. So good hands, good creative team. Tell people where they can go and check this book out. Oh, we can simply go to Jason, J-A-C-I-N dot info, and that'll take you right to the Kickstarter page. Awesome. That's J-A-C-I-N dot info? Yep. Awesome. And you guys got tons of rewards packages for all kinds of supporters. <laughs> it's, it looks great, man. So, uh, yeah, I did a bunch of t-shirt designs based off of Matias artwork. So we, I put together those. So we have five different t-shirt designs. So those are kind of fun as add-ons which we're using Kickstarter add-ons for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we got uh, several different layers or levels, basically, with the uh, black and white version of the book. So if you really like line art, you can have that kind of an artist edition type of book. And then you can actually have the full color edition. And the book's about it's 58 pages of story, but it, uh, I think we printed about 64 or 68 pages total. Nice, nice. Well, well worth it. Well worth it. I definitely encourage people to check it out. Um, anything else they should know? Oh, that's pretty much it. I'm I'm really <laughs> excited about the project. I mean, like I said, this is the first time I've really worked with a team. I've been taking these Kickstarters on as my as doing my own books. Right, this right. is the first time really working with other artists and things, and it's I'm really excited on how it's turned out. Well, congratulations on that. It looks great, and uh, I can't wait to see the finished project. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network.
So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. Of course, Kevin, thank you so, so much. Always a pleasure, my friend. And yeah, you know, it, I'm it's down time for that. to uh, break down another one of these DC Comics movies. I'm always happy to uh, beam up on here to the station and help you out. Oh, it's always welcome. And of Do course, you know what the next been... DC movie is? What? Do we know what the next DC movie Probably is? Probably Black Adam. Black Adam, or, yeah, I guess so. They, I don't yeah, think so. They, I they think it's going to be. Or is it Shazam? It, it's, it's either. Sh- I think it might be Shazam. I think Black Adam's already been shot. I don't know if Shazam's been. I know they're filming it here, Shazam, here in Atlanta. So right. that's how they're able to get everyone for Dragon Con. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see who, you know, which one's next because. It's, I'm pretty sure it's Black Adam, but it might be Shazam or... I thought it was Captain Carrot next. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> Starring yeah. Steve Gutenberg as Captain Carrot, of course. You know, it's <laughs> going to be more difficult to, like, pull out these obscure characters out of DC lore because they keep using them and killing them. <laughs> so it's not... It's like, Polka Dot Man... Oh, they've already done this. Uh, <laughs> or could it be the new Batman movie? Could that be next? No. Yeah. Right. So we know none of us are magical because we've said the name. All of us have said the name. <laughs> Except for Ashley. <laughs> all right, Kevin, what do you want to plug? Yeah. Well, you know, my show here on the ESO network is called The Flopcast. And it's just a lot of silly, goofy uh, pop culture, nostalgia kind of talk with uh, Cornflake, my uh, wonderful co-host and I, every week just having fun. And you can find us at flopcast.net and right here on ESO. Yay. And it's always fun to listen to you guys. Love how you guys are going year by year of the 80s. Yeah, we do that every every hundred episodes. When we hit the, the like the the latest episode is uh, episode four eighty three, and so we were talking about nineteen eighty three, and we do that for ten episodes in a row, uh, every hundred episodes because we are so tragically obsessed with the eighties. Understandable. It is understandable. Good job, though. But you know, if you had to talk about the uh, spinoff of. You know, the facts of life again. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of facts of life talk as well. Yes, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. And Alex, thank you so, so much for being here, buddy. I'm glad to be here. It's always fun. And uh, we get uh, good conversations rolling. Dude, you are a strong person and we do appreciate you so, so much. Anything you want to shout out about, my friend? Yeah, I just want to give a real quick shout out. You know, we've talked about a lot of obscure villains uh, in the in the Suicide Squad, and standing next to uh, uh, Calendar Man is the character Double Down. Double Down is played by a friend of mine by the name of Jared Leland, and I'm so proud of him oh, wow. uh, for him being in this film. So good job, Jared! Nicely done. I don't think you had a line. No, <laughs> that's cool though. But Calendar Man, you know, took up the whole scene anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. so well, was... he was played by his brother, James Gunn's brother, so um, so yeah, he's going to take up some time. Oh, of course, of course. But he was also the Weasel. So there you go. Right. That's how we knew that the Weasel was going to survive too. Exactly. Well, there you go. And Ashley, Miss Birthday Girl, thank you for Yay. joining us on this very special day. Oh, thank you. It is always a pleasure. 
anything you want to shout out about? Uh, yeah, I am in the process of working on a new Star Wars podcasting project. Um, so hopefully the first episode of that is going to be dropping soon. It's with uh, Nathan Laws, who is a part of the ESO network, kind of put a crew together to talk about Star Wars. We're going through chronologically talking about every piece of Star Wars media. So we've read some comics, watched a movie. We even watched the Star Wars holiday specials. So. Yes, you did. Uh, you're doing uh, your work. Yeah, no so wonder- I'm looking... No wonder I saw some blood from your eyes. Okay, got it. Yeah, so no matter how wacky the Suicide Squad is, like it's still less terrifying than um, this <laughs> holiday special. So <laughs> That is awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys come out with. Very much. Congratulations. Thanks. I'm excited about the project. Awesome. She's going to become too jaded with Star Wars that she'll won't even want to talk to us anymore. So <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, that's the reason why she doesn't want to talk to us. Yeah, exactly. I can I'll, name a, a couple dozen other reasons. I'll never forget my friends at the station. Oh, gosh. She doesn't even remember she our names. Mike Gordon. I know. I thought she doesn't remember our names anymore, so it's okay. <laughs> it's good. Uh, and by the way, happy birthday. <laughs> One more time. See. It's great to spend my birthday with the crew at ESO. So it's always fun talking movies with you guys. Yay. And Mr. Mike Gordon, we made it through another one, my friend. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about? Yeah. um, I am on the eve, uh, as you uh, are listening to this. Actually, probably most people who are listening to this, uh, my uh, Kickstarter for the Tiki Zombie 10-year Tiki-versary special is now live it's supposed to go live on friday the 13th Hmm, is that an omen i don't know we'll see um but um so uh i will throw it out there to all my friends and fans and everybody who follows me uh, even remotely closely uh online forgive me because you are about to see like a lot of posts about this because i uh want to make sure that i get the word out and uh and I want to give a shout out to uh, the marketing team that's going to help me do it because we've talked a lot about ink marketing on this show. And I'm happy to say that I am now one of their clients and Kevin and I have been talking up a strategy and uh, you know, I'm very impressed with Kevin and his crew and the work that they do at ink marketing. And I'm, I'm, I'm much more confident in uh, this Kickstarter being a success and uh, going forward, doing some other projects as well with them based on the conversations that we've had. So big shout out to Kevin and Inc. Marketing. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, be prepared. The next few shout outs are going to be pretty familiar to a lot of people. Get prepared, folks. Tiki Zombie, Tiki Zombie, Tiki Zombie. So very cool, sir. And, oh, I love that Fantastic Four parody cover you guys did. It's awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's a, it a classic. We did that a few years ago, but I brought it back because of uh, the anniversary. Mm-hmm. That would almost look good on a t-shirt, I can almost say. <laughs> well, we could do that. I know we can. It's pretty awesome. Make it as a Kickstarter option. There you go. Hey, marketing, marketing, marketing. You always got to be marketing here, folks. This is awesome. Um, for me, I'm going to actually do a little bit of a soapbox. I want to just say, folks, please, 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 with Delta variant getting more and more prominent, please wear your masks, please. We were up in New England this last weekend, and flying up wasn't bad. It was, you know, flying up on the airplane, getting in the air, 
going through the airport, everyone was masked. And they even said people who had their noses showing or whatever, the uh, flight attendants or the, the airport staff walked right up to the people, please pull up your mask or we'll have to ask you to leave, you know, type thing. And that I was I respected that. That was on the airplane. Awesome. They would ask you to leave. Yes, they did. They showed the <laughs> wow. person the door. It was awesome. <laughs> it was a one way walk. It was, okay. it was a parachute. Go parachute. <laughs> they had to use their mask, damn it. <laughs> but yeah, and you know, there's too many people. We have friends of ours who actually even got vaccinated and they caught COVID a second, you know, because of it. The symptoms weren't as bad and they recovered fairly quickly. But you know what? For people who are like, it's my right, it's blah, blah, blah. I don't need to wear a mask. I don't need to get vaccinated. Folks, please do it. This is all, it's important you do. It's just, you need to, just for the, your sanity of the people around you. They just closed my building for work. They just started letting people come back to the office again. And literally, they closed my office up again because eight people in the last two weeks have come down with COVID. And they've been in the building. And so they want to try to stop the spread. This is just... It's gotten ridiculous again, and I hate lecturing you guys because I know you're all functioning adults, except for a few of you. I know I'm talking to, too. So, you know, please just take care of yourselves. The shot doesn't hurt. You might feel eh, for a day or so, but, you know, think about all the people you're saving, including yourself. Come on. This is, you know, just important. And, you know, I'm going to Dragon Con in a few weeks now. And I'm horrified. And, you know, I I don't want to, I didn't want to have to spend my whole Dragon Con up in my room away from people and just going out to go to panels. I like seeing my Dragon Con family. I like seeing my friends. And it's, you know, we're, we've canceled almost every event. We're not, there's certain, a lot of things we're not going to do this year because of, you know, COVID. And I think it's, it's almost enough to make me pissed and you just got to take care of yourselves. And you know what, please, that's all I'm going to say on it. All right. I'm off my soapbox folks. That's it. I'm not saying anything else on it. All right. As we always like to say, join us next week. We are going to be back and we are going to be a fun episode next week. We are doing the best shit we ever ate over the summer you know best summer foods it's going to be a lot of fun so you know please we definitely want to hear from you guys what's your favorite you like to eat over the summer you know some people like you know watermelon some people like corn on the cob some people like seafood some people like barbecues you know i want to find out this is some pretty cool stuff so definitely check us out we definitely are going to have a lot of fun talking about the best you've ever eaten for the summer, that is. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But until then, of course, on, on behalf of us, all of us here at ESO, just take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you can also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now Amazon Music and Audible. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber... Mr. Mike Gordon, Alex Autry, Ashley Pauls, and Kevin Eldridge. Please take care of yourself, stay safe, get vaccinated, and we'll see you here next time on 
the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we are done. You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.